we actually need to start with I'm not okay and you're not okay. Yeah, we do. And that's okay. We're all damaged goods. I'm ugly, I'm dumb, I'm a failure, I'm worthless, uh, I'm insignificant. Yeah. Those sorts of beliefs that we form become deep-rooted foundational beliefs that then become the foundation that we build our life on. There's a lot of swirly dust in our being. A good counsellor is able to, to help settle that dust and then find where the dust storm originated yep. from. You know, if I believe I'm a failure and God doesn't make failures, then one of us is wrong. Wherever there is hurt, there is healing to be found. So what does that look like? Well, that looks like leaning into what he would say about us more than I'll lean into what someone else says about me. Welcome to Living Well with Alan Davey, and I'm Rob Holding. Alan, good to be back with you. Great to be back again, Rob. Let's jump straight in. There is a difference between depression and being depressed. Well, they can be the same, of course, but uh, feeling a bit flat, feeling a bit low, feeling a bit ho-hum or can't be bothered doesn't mean you have depression from a clinical point of view. Yeah. It doesn't mean depression, no. It just means we all wake up in the morning sometimes feeling a bit flat and that's just what it is. There may be another reason behind that and it could lead to something more, but it doesn't automatically mean that, uh, yes, I'm now suffering from depression because I'm feeling a bit flat today. So there is a point where I could just say, hey, Alan, just snap out of it. But then there's a point where you can't because as you, you, would you say it's clinical depression? Yeah. That's a, that's a different matter. There's a little saying I like and it says, um, saying just snap out of it to a depressed person is a bit like saying just stop drinking to an alcoholic <laughs> or just get up and walk to a guy with a broken leg. Yep. You know, um, just snap out of it might work for someone that's feeling a little low and they just need to have a bit of a pep talk and, and off we go again. Yeah. But someone that's genuinely um, suffering from um, uh, depression, that won't work for them. I remember that classic uh, Bob Newhart scene from his when he was the, the psychiatrist and the woman came in. What did she have? Was it, uh, it was either claustrophobia or agoraphobia or one of them? And he just goes, stop it! Yeah. You know, I mean, it's very, very, very funny, but but funny in that it's not that easy. No, it's not that easy. Um, clinical depression is, um, you know, they call it the black dog. The black dog follows you around. Everything looks grey or bleak or worse mm. than that. Um, you can't see. There's, there's no light even though it's a sunny day, those sorts of things. Those are often indicators that there is something more going on that needs to be dealt with. Depression is an indicator of something that's not working. Yeah. And in a, in a general sense, there are six forms of depression or six causes, I should say, for depression. So we're talking here depression not being sad, being depressed. That's my, right. My, um, my mother has died. Yeah, you I got love my mother. I'm depressed. That's yeah. not depression. No, you've got cause for being sad then. You've got cause for being low then. Yep. Often a person that's genuinely suffering from depression, there is no um, seeming cause for that from an external point of view and they just can't seem to get out of it. 
So is that often the case? There's no, there's no trigger. You can't say, well, because I was depressed about my mother dying and that led to depression. I'm sure that can happen. But are you saying that often there's no direct cause? You just end up being depressed? But yeah. Uh, no, there is always a cause. There are six places that depression can come from. Only one of them originates from a biochemical uh, basis. All of them can lead to aspects of that where we yep. need some medication to help us, but only one of them starts from that and the other ones come from other places. If you like, I've got a little list yeah. that I could... Just, just before we get into that, because you talked about the, the medical side, the, the clinical depression isn't something that you can get over. It's a chemical imbalance that needs medication? No, clinical depression, there are six forms of clinical depression. Only uh, one of them is biochemically. Is the, okay, right. The foundation is biochemical. All of them can get to a biochemical issue because the body, you know, if the, if, if the mind is uh, in stress, uh, anxious or, or something like that, it will affect the biochemistry yeah. of our body and then biochemical consequences can right. be can be there. Okay. But even if they are, medication can be helpful for that, but medication isn't the solution to that unless its foundation was already just biochemical. Yeah, because that would be similar to the, uh, the whole uh, diabetes thing with, with insulin. Uh, insulin can, can uh, it's a continuing thing because there's a problem. Yeah. So we need to deal with the problem. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's right. All right. So I interrupted your six lists, but I just no, wanted to right. get that because that's most, I think most people that, that know that, that being depressed and depression are two different things would think the depression is the clinical chemical imbalance depression that needs medicating. But So what you're saying is that that's not always the case. Well, there's the, the, the big term for that is unipolar depression, uni meaning one, is this different to... Um, you know, bipolar. Yep. Bipolar is you're up, you're down. Yeah, yep. Unipolar is you're, you're just you're going just down. down. You're yeah. just down. You're just down, and um, and that usually that that may start in one day, but it keeps on going for days and weeks. Yep. So that's unipolar depression, which is clinical depression. Yeah. All right. Okay, so these, um, I've got these from um, Living Wisdom, David Riddell. Mm -hmm. So for anybody that's listening, I really recommend that you go onto David's website and look for those, um, uh, that material, because yep. it is very helpful. Or do his two-week Living Wisdom course. So here are the six forms of depression. Only one of them originates from a biochemical foundation. Here's one, hopelessness or powerlessness. So when we feel hopeless or powerless, it's like, what's the point? And so that leads to clinical there's, there's depression. No way, there's no way that I can see out of this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so so that's, that's the symptom that brings about the clinical depression. Yep. Another symptom is a sense of meaninglessness. It brings a loss of motivation. So life's meaningless. Another one is echoes of abandonment, where something in your past has happened and you've had a sense of abandonment and you feel that um, 
you've lost self-confidence, uh, there's no point. That's very me-centred, isn't it? It's, well, I mean, they're all me-centred, but that's like, uh, it's, it's my interpretation of events as opposed to events or... Because, I mean, you see, I think you said this a lot of times, you know, as children, we're, we're good, uh, we take events in really well, but we don't interpret them very well. That's exactly right. Yeah. So I think, so, to, to me, I'm thinking at that point is, is of abandonment, it's like my feeling abandonment may not necessarily mean that I was abandoned at any point. No, but it's the belief you formed. Yeah. And so you're living out of that belief. Yeah. These are all about what we believe. Yeah. All of these are about what we believe. Yeah. And, uh, and that's where the trace face replace comes in, yeah. to find out what it is that we believe that's causing us to be depressed. And the triggers too. There's, there's, there's those triggers that, that will bring you into that feeling. Exactly. Yeah, when the river runs low, the rocks show. And so some, some, something crops up and up comes the ugly feeling, which, um, which sets you back onto yeah. that, back on your butt and, uh, and you're down again and down again and down again. Which is default, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like an addiction. Um, I, I spoke to some guys over the weekend when we were in Hawke's Bay and uh, I spoke about my um, addiction to pornography for many, many years and learning to recognise what the trigger was that made me seep back into that. Yeah. So with, it, with with something like this abandonment or, or the other ones, it's, it's go. So what is it that triggers? You know, maybe if you're a salesperson and you're looking forward to a sale and you're expecting it to go ahead, and it doesn't go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's the trigger. Yeah. Which has got nothing to do with the feeling or the or the depression, but that's the trigger. And that's why those things need to be. Um like I just said before, depression indicates something that's not working. Yeah. And so depression in itself isn't, I mean, it is the issue, but the issue comes from somewhere else. And if we don't find out what that some, something or somewhere else is, then we will find ourselves going back there yep. and back there and back there. And um, pills can help. Medicine can, can be great for, 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 for settling out some of those missing trace elements and stuff like that. But if we haven't found what's generated it in the first place, then we're more than likely to slip back into yeah. that again. Um, so another one is just a burnout. You know, when, when we're just doing too much and we get weary and we, we're completely run down. And so then we need to be able to work through that one. Another one is, is internalised anger. That's a really interesting one. Would lead to depression. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. When when we have been violated, it's a it, that's a, that's a big word. I was trying to think of something a little softer, but anyway, when we've been violated in whatever way, we it is right for us to project anger. Anger is a right response to a violation of any yep. sort. We get angry at the person that's violated us. But when we, especially when we're a little kid, when we've been violated. We look at the big person that's potentially been the violator and we look at them and we think, well, they're the big person, so they can't be wrong. I must be wrong. Yeah. So rather than projecting the anger out to the oppressor, we, we project the anger in to ourselves and then we beat up on ourselves for allowing whatever happened to have happened. Yeah, this happens a lot in, uh, with marriage breakups, with kids blaming themselves for the marriage oh, breakup. Yeah, exactly. And you grow into that, you take that into your adulthood and into your own relationships. 
Yeah, and that's why we need to be able to work through those things. I had a lady, this is quite dramatic, but I had a lady, lovely Christian woman, served in ministry, served on the mission field. Um, I ran a seminar somewhere, not in the Waikato, and her husband came, watched the seminar, realised there was something for, for his wife there, and so he invites me to go see her. The reason she couldn't come to the seminar was because she's in a wheelchair. She was in her late 60s to early 70s. So I go visit her and she shares with me that when she was a little girl, she was abducted and sexually molested and then released. The parents had been trying to find her for hours. Right. They never found her until there she was walking along the road. So they, she was chastised for getting lost. Ah. She never had an opportunity to share what, what had happened, so she internalised it all. And she blamed herself because the parents got angry at her. It must yep. be her must fault. Must be my fault. And so, so, so her line to me was from, from that she formed the belief that she was dirty, bad, worthless. And she yeah. internalised that within herself. And I personally believe that was why she was in a wheelchair because the reason she was in a wheelchair was because her neurological system was breaking down. It was a diagnosed yep. thing, was breaking down, causing her not to be able to be mobile. And so all that came from that. And so when I was able to share that sort of stuff with her, like I say, I was only the second person she'd ever shared that with. She's in her late 60s. Um, that potentially be, had the potential to be part of the healing process yeah. for her now. Because yeah. she was able to, rather than internalise the anger, realise it's actually not a bit, it wasn't my fault. It happened out there and then she could process it. So that's where that internalised anger becomes a big deal for people. That's, you know, I was thinking, because I said to you on the phone the other day uh, about, about fault. Um, uh, there's the two-sided thing, which, and because on previous uh, Living Well episodes, we've talked about our relationships and how do I come to the point where I act, not just acknowledge that I have a problem in the relationship, but admit that it's my problem mm. and I am at fault. Mm. And the other side is admitting that actually I'm not at, in this case, I'm not at fault mm. and I wasn't at fault. Mm. That's where being able to unpack things is so helpful. Yeah. You know, like I said numerous times, if you put an H for hurt on your hand because you've had a yucky event and you go like that because you don't know how to deal with it. Now, that can be as a child or an adult, yep. but usually in our childhood, we've hidden it like that. It's still there. And it and then it oozes out, like this lady, it oozes out literally physically yeah, through is, her this body. this has affected her physically. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and and other, other, yeah. other areas, mental health, of course. But it's not until you go like that that the H can actually be dealt with. Yeah. And, and, and God longs for us to be able to come out from behind the trees that we're hiding behind because yep. of our guilt, shame, and, 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 and bring it out into the open. And then a problem shared is a problem that can be seen. Yeah. And often it's, it takes someone, a counsellor or, or a psychologist or whatever, to correctly identify the problem. I remember years ago I was working in radio in Alexandra and had a real, in the, in the clavicle, you know, in the, in the, in the shoulder blade, and the bottom part of it was just so sore and I couldn't sleep because of it. And uh, I went to a, a, um, a chiropractor and he goes, oh, he goes, does it hurt there? Mm. On the back of the mm. neck? And I'm like, oh, he mm. goes, you're sleeping on two pillows. Yeah. And I'm going, how do you get that? He says, well, two pillows, your head's on an angle, you're pinching that nerve and it's presenting there. Yeah. I would have been trying to exercise my shoulder to fix the problem. 
until an expert comes along and goes, actually, Rob, the shoulder's not the problem. Yeah. It's just presenting that. And that's like I say, with depression, depression is an indicator of something that's wrong. Yeah. Depression itself certainly is a big deal and needs to be sorted, but the sorting of it goes down into where that has come from. So that the final one is the biochemical. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that just means getting good medical advice to, to, to balance back what's imbalanced in your body. In my mind, I'm thinking the biochemical depression cannot come of its own. It's got, it's got to result from other depression. No, the, 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 the body is, um, is a fine-tuned instrument. You know, you were talking about guitars yeah, yeah. earlier. Uh, the body is a fine-tuned instrument and things can go... Is, it, is, it, is the right word biologically wrong? Probably is. Probably. With, with, within your body that then needs to be um, corrected okay. with, with, with the right kind of um, medication. So the, the, um, the biochemical depression is not just... I was depressed and it led to that? Um, like I said, there are six forms of depression. Yeah. Only one of them is, is the, is, uh, the genesis is biochemical. Yeah. The others can get to that because, you know, stink thinking causes our body to... Well, we're to, triune to, beings, to be body, stink. mind exactly. and soul, yeah. yeah. Years ago, I went to the doctor. I said, I'm, I'm 47, I think I was. So they were going, you know, bloke, I'll go and get my prostate mm. checked. You know, and the doctor, he goes, oh, he said, we can do it all now. We can do it all. We can do your prostate, we can do your blood sugars, we can do, you know. So give him a blood, he rings me back a week later, he says, your prostate's fine, you've got diabetes. Well, the presenting problem is what gets a person to the doctor yeah. or to the counsellor and uh, it, 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 takes, um, it, it takes an appropriate diagnosis to find out what's really going on. Yeah. You know, like you doing the bloods, for me it's like asking the appropriate questions. I had a client very recently and uh, I said to them, I'm doing a podcast, would they mind if I used them as, as an example? And they said they were fine with that. So, so I'll tell a little bit of this person's story. Uh, they came to me, their issue is um, feeling flat, feeling uh, disconnected, uh, things like that. So you'd, 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 you'd sense a sense of depression there. On the outside, this person looked quite happy, but on the inside, they were very unhappy. Yeah. And uh, in talking through some things, um, and I'm going to, I'll use the word that this client used for me, Christian person, I'm a worthless piece of crap. That was what they said. That's how they felt. That's that's what they thought about themselves. So they felt like a worthless piece of crap because they believed they were a worthless piece of crap. And so with that thinking and that feeling, their whole life had imploded into just numb. And in fact, in talking with this client, I could be talking to them and I'd ask them a question and I would literally watch them shut down because I, she felt like a worthless piece of C, yep. believed she was a worthless piece of C. And so when I asked a question that she couldn't quite relate to, she didn't know how to respond, so she would just turn herself off. Yeah. And, um, and so there's an indicator of something that truly needs to be worked out well with that person because their issue is a deep issue that needs to be processed well. Otherwise, they're now just stuck. Uh, which is something you can't just get over by, by taking the reverse statement and making it a mantra. 
Yeah, and 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 that can take a bit of time to help that person recognise the truth. Yeah, because yeah, a lovely Christian person from a lovely Christian home, uh, but some stuff has happened for her in her life, and so that's she believed that from a, a, a very young age, and so now it's about helping her recognise that's not true. And one of the things I did uh, for for her was because her line to me was, I'm told that I'm under uh, spiritual oppression. There's a spiritual battle. And I said, I said, are you aware that the only access that the devil has into your life is through the lies you believe? She said, no, I wasn't aware of that. And, and the greatest access God has into your life is through the truth you receive. She said, oh, okay, I hadn't thought of it like that. Mm. And I said, there are only three people at play here, only yep. three. And I said, do you know who the most important one is? And I let her think for a little while. And she dared to say, me? Mm. And I said, you are the most important one because you, if that's, if that's the devil, that's you and that's God, not, nothing to do with size or anything <laughs> yeah, like that, yeah, yeah. But, but that's you, because of what you believe, the devil is actually having an influence on your life. God wants to have that influence on your life, but he is because of what you believe. Yeah. And when you're able to renounce the devil, you know, submit to God, James 4, submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Yeah. When you're able to do that, you'll begin to experience some different things in your life. Now that's... Easier said than done, and I 100% yeah, get I was, that. Yeah, I, I was just about to use the Rachel Hunter quote there. It, it won't happen overnight. No, no, but we've got to start somewhere, and you've got to start working towards it. Um, her, like I say, she didn't mind me mentioning these things, keeping it vague, of course. I, I used to have a default mood. My default mood was I'm just tired. I was crook. I had chronic fatigue for 15 years. It was horrible. Yep. And, uh, and it started with um, glandular fever, probably stayed in my body for maybe up to six months, but maybe, anyway. And uh, so my body recovered from that, but because I still just felt tired, yep. I would wake up in the morning, body scan, I'm still just tired. And so I remained just tired for 15 years. That was my default yep. mood until I processed that. Uh, should have processed it, processed it earlier, but anyway, slow learner, eh? Well, her default mood is um, the feeling like crap. That was just, yep. her, that's just her mood. I'm just, just feel like crap. And so I said to her recently, I said, is there an, this is a hard one to take actually, because we can choose our moods. We yeah. can choose our moods. And I said to her, do you realise that you can choose your mood? Simple but not easy, but you can choose your mood. And she said, oh, well, I've lived in this for a long time. I said, yeah, you can, you can still choose your mood. What mood would be a better one to choose? And she said, I'd like to be happy. And uh, so this is just a little experiment yep. that we're going through. I'm going through with her. We're, this is a regular encounter I'm having. And so I'm interested to see where this goes because we, we're just trialling some things. So I said, can you, when you're feeling like the worthless piece of sea that you feel you are, yep. can you decide, no, I'm actually going to choose a different mood here. I'm going to choose happy. I said, try that. Even try it for half an hour and see what happens. Yep. And that's when we catch up next time, let's see where that goes. Because the goal here is to help the person 
recognise that that they actually have some power here. Yeah. They have way more power than they thought they did have. I think with, with, I mean, with things like that, I was talking to somebody again on the weekend. Um, I don't know who uses the term, find, find your happy place. Uh, it was Mark Twain who said, I can go for six months on one good compliment. Mm-hmm. And I know exactly mm-hmm. how that feels. Yeah. So, you know, I remember uh, performing at Parachute one time. They did a, an oldies set. I don't know why they asked me. Um, but they did an oldies set with Steve Apirana, Guy Wishart, Derek Linden. I, I just did a couple of songs between each of the uh, each of the artists. And afterwards, and I'm, I'm walking off, and this guy comes up. He says, oh, he says, oh I was listening. You're a really good guitarist. <laughs> I was down for six months. I go, I'm a singer, you know. Um, see, my recharge place is uh, give me classical music through some really good speakers for an hour, mm. right? Mm. And I can I can recharge. I was saying mm. to this guy at the weekend, I said, I said, what makes you feel good and feel happy? He goes, walking down the beach. Mm. I said, well, go and walk down the beach. If you if you're in this piece of yeah, you know, feeling, and you know that walking down the beach makes you happy, put everything aside and go for a walk down the beach. You know, a lot of people don't know where that where that happy or that recharge place yeah. is. Yeah, no, that's good. And that is really important. That's right. Because when we can get into that happy place, that can help with our physio- physiology, yep. which then can help with our mind. You know, our culture at the moment, and it's getting worse, you know, statistically it's getting worse. In fact, I heard it on the radio recently, um, how bad it's getting, and that's, the, you know, uh, the mental health statistics, you know, once upon a time, you know, what was it a decade ago? It's increased by over 100% in a decade right. anyway, mental health issues, and they were talking in regards to teenagers here, but it will probably be across the board. And so the question I ask is, we talk about mental health without really processing what does that really mean, mental health. A friend of mine has got um, a cancer at the moment, skin cancer, yep. a melanoma cancer, and it's not looking good for him. And um, so we know how we we know, we know that we should put on a shirt and put on your sunblock and keep yep. keep keep away from all those because that will help prevent it. But we're not talking about prevention for mental health. We're talking about supporting for mental health, 100% into That's, support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I know what you mean. I know, I know what you mean. We're, and so we need to find out what's causing this because if how, how do we 30 slip, years ago... We, for mental health. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 30 years ago, the mental health issues are not what they are today. No, I worked as a school chaplain for, for six years and I seriously believe that the, the main reason is, see, when you and I were growing up, we had a lot of positive input into our lives from our parents, from society in general, mm. which is not there today, mm. that positive input. And, and it, it counteracted. If you talk about nutritional health, mm. so you've got, you've got uh, in, in our day, we were getting vegetables and we were getting this and we we're getting good food. We had a little bit of junk food. Yeah. But it was counteracted yeah. majorly by the nutritional food. In a mental health way, there's none that that nutritional food isn't there. Everything is just negative, 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 yeah. and and that's what's being taken on board, which is bringing that mental health level down. Yeah, it absolutely is. And social media is, you know, that's, that's if I don't get 15 likes on my post, I'm depressed. And people are able to say whatever they like in, in anonymity. Yep. And um, and it can hurt like heck for somebody. 
um, there's, there's, there's a documentary worth watching. I hope you don't mind me doing a bit of a plug here. But it's called The Social Dilemma. Have you ever seen I it? I have heard of it. I, have, I, I can't remember having watched it. but Okay, it's worth watching, The Social Dilemma. Any parent out there, I would encourage you to watch that. Uh, that will help give you a bit of a balance any of, anyway of, 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 of what social media can do, yep. does do and is doing in the lives especially of our young people. Getting, getting back to working out, you, you, you know, put it, putting on a shirt to avoid getting skin cancers and things like that, what can we do? We've got four fundamental emotional needs. This is for all humani- humanity. Yep. Four fundamental emotional needs for all humanity. And these are needs, not wants. Need to be innocent because guilt and shame and blame is so crushing. Need to be significant because worth and value is so important. Need for, for, for safety or another, another word for that is a sense of belonging. Yep. Need to know I'm connected and I belong. And to need for purpose and for progress because that's where hope comes from, having purpose and having progress. And so when those things are in short supply, then because these are genuine needs, we will find ourselves going to places in our thinking that is destructive to us. And when we think about it, where are those needs met? Need for innocence, guiltless, blameless. Well, I'll tell you what, Rob, I'm very mindful. My hope in these podcasts is non-Christian people watch them. Yep. So I'm very mindful of that. But there are some things that I need to share that 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 are for me so blatantly obvious from a, from a Christian point yep. of view that if I don't share them, then I'm, I'm doing everyone a disservice. So where do we get our innocence from? You know, guilt and shame, how big a deal is that in a person's life? Well, I've experienced guilt and shame. I know what that feels like. I, I believe there's only one place we can go yeah. to be free from guilt and shame, and that's Christ. He paid the price. He, he set us free from guilt and shame because he took it all for us. He's the only one, you know, you talked about before about, about um, you know, we, we search back these things and we can look at it and say it's not my fault. Thing, But I think from a human sense we can only, we can compartmentalise it, we can lock it away. Mm. But Jesus is the only one that can actually remove that mm. guilt and shame from mm. you completely. And I've experienced that, you know, thankfully I, I got saved when I was 27 and I had, I had significant guilt and shame in my life because of stuff mostly that I'd done, to be perfectly honest, rather than done to me. And um, and I have scars of that now, but I don't have the wounds of that now yeah. because he's healed it. He has healed that for me and I'm just so grateful. Worth and value. Where do we get our worth and value from? Well, you know, we can find that in other places, but... To be perfectly honest, where, do, where fundamentally is my worth? Well, fundamentally my worth is based on where I've come from. Yeah. Who created me? Creating the image of God. So there's my worth. There's my value. And a sense of belonging. Well, we can get that from other places. Gangs do that. Clubs do that. But a true sense of belonging, well, you know, who, who's, my, who's my heavenly father? Yeah. Who do I really... Who do I really belong to? 
and who's in my family truly, you know, those sorts of things. Well, that goes back to God as well. I think because with with that, with with a club or with a gang or with whatever, it's uh, it's often a case of, uh, in some ways, performance based. You know, you you belong to the to the chess club as long as you keep playing chess mm. and and keep doing well at chess. Uh, with God, you belong to Him because He made you. Yeah, yeah. It's the safest place we could ever find ourselves in being, in living, and then obviously you know progress or growth or hope for a future. Well, I have a hope for a future now, but I have a hope for an eternal future as well. So that even if it all hits the fan now and and I've lost some things, my orientation is still up. It's not, oh, heck, now it's all gone. There's no hope. No, even in this, he will walk with me. Yeah. And beyond this to the other side, there is something waiting for me that's well worth my life pursuit. Yeah. Something to, something to truly look forward to. Absolutely. Not, not in the sense that we go, oh, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to the new such and such movie. Yeah. This is something to truly look forward yeah. into. Well, it's, it's substance and security. Yeah. yeah substance and, um, yeah, well, substance is probably the right word. It's, it's, it's a bedrock of, yeah. of, of what's available to us. I don't see anything in our culture that offers that, to be blunt. Not, not to that degree. We, we, we offer uh, veneers of that or elements of that, which are, which are fantastic, yeah. by the way. So I'm not negating any of that. But, but when it all hits the fan, um, where is my orientation now? Yeah. Well, it's, he is still there. Yeah. I, um, I've written an article, like I've, I've mentioned to you a few times that I write articles for a paper. Yeah. Um, I've written one that's going to go in uh, soon on this topic. It sounds like a segue, doesn't it? And I guess maybe it is. And so I've got it here, so it must be a segue. Must, must it? be, yeah. So I'm going to read this if you don't mind. Absolutely. Let's, let's finish with that. In genuine frustration, someone I was supporting recently asked, how do you find out who you are? This is my thoughts on that question. We had our grandchildren over the other day and one of them tipped a wooden jigsaw puzzle out and asked me to come and help them put it back. But because I didn't know what the pieces were meant to end up looking like, I was stumped until one of them that had done it a time or two came and helped me put it together. Life can feel a bit like that. We turn up here with the feelings, with, with what feels like the pieces of a puzzle scattered all over the place and little idea of what the heck the puzzle we're trying to put back together is meant to look like. It's no wonder so many of us become anxious, stressed, disillusioned and even depressed. Like the person I mentioned at the start, all of us have, in one way or another, sought to answer the age-old question, who am I and why am I here? Many of us have looked at our culture for guidance and have found that it falls way short in answering these kinds of questions. And as time goes on, we become more and more frustrated and disillusioned as we struggle to fit life's pieces together. In all of creation, identity is only a challenge to humans. We're the only ones that question who we are and why we are here. Evolution says we come by chance from slime in a puddle. Creation says we come from the love and will of God. Evolution says we are of goo. Creation says we are of God. 
in the Bible, it informs us that humans were created in his image. Even the word, word human comes from the word humus or soil, or as the Bible puts it, the dust of the ground. We really need to look to God to advise us of who we are and not to a broken people behaving badly or a culture disconnected from its true identity. We go astray when we allow anything other than God to define our identity. Anything less than the Creator's view of us is less than who we are. And when we believe we are less than, we have the tendency to behave accordingly. Good mental health is practiced when we agree with what God says about us. And poor mental health is practiced when we disagree with what God says about us. The meaning of life is to know whose image we come from and to open ourselves up to the image giver and allow him to love and guide us in and through our life. Yes, we live in a broken world, but we live in it with the availability of a loving and healing God. Mm. Alan, thanks again so much for your time. I look forward to next time. And uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Be sure to click the link. We've got uh, the link to Alan's website in the description. And if you'd like to see the other podcasts in this Living Well series, simply go to our website, knowmyfaith.net, and uh, you will find them there. God bless you.